0: welcome back into morning drive espn 1025 the game hour number three here on a thursday edition of the show stick to sports coming up at 8 45 we will also go uh, behind enemy lines with nate taylor who covers the chiefs for the athletic get a kansas city perspective for the matchup sunday against the tennessee titans but right now we welcome in our buddy joe rexroad from the athletic rex how you doing this morning
1: I'm good. Uh, I've been enjoying the show, guys. I, I Nick, I actually really enjoyed your point about um, hating when, when people anoint people too quickly. I thought that was a good point. It made me think back to your tweet about Daniel Jones.
0: I never uh, anointed that guy. Don't even go there, Rex. I would never do that. That is fake news and you know it.
1: Say, I think you say it's going to be better than Watson, Mahomes, Johnny United, right? I mean, yes,
0: Stahlbach, Marino. He's going to eclipse them all.
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Sorry, I mean I had to do it. Oh, no, no. So, so,
2: Joe, is is Jeffrey Simmons the greatest Tennessee Titan defensive lineman of all time, or not?
1: <laughs> well, top two, top okay. two, okay. but right. you know, we'll, we'll see if he can be number one. <laughs> so,
2: so I, I don't know if you were listening to our Taylor Lewan conversation, but it, it feels like um, we've talked a lot about the quarterback. We've talked a lot about the offensive line as a whole, and, and we certainly have talked a lot about Arthur Smith and you know Derek Henry, the receivers. We go on and on down the list, and, and it feels like you know with the way former with the way other players are talking about Taylor Lewan, that there needs to be a deeper conversation about is he. You know, he's great for this team and this organization from a personality standpoint. I don't think he's distracted by his brand and his media work outside of, of the locker room. I think that's overblown. But is he the leader that everybody thinks he is in the locker room? Does he make other people better around him?
1: Well, I think it's complicated with Taylor Lawana. I think the best way I've heard it from someone is, you know, he just he, – he isn't for everyone, okay? So, um, I think – you know, in some way, he is the most vocal guy, the most outwardly emotional guy. When he's playing well, you know, on the field, I think he's an inspirational player. And I agree with you, Braden, on the, you know, on the podcast and stuff like that. I, I do think that's overblown. Um, I guess, I guess, you know, if, if you're when you're on suspension, I would advise a guy like that to to keep it more quiet, maybe than he did, just because you know you're not helping your team. People are mad. Fans are mad. Probably some people in the organization are mad, even if they won't say it. So maybe be quiet then. But overall, yeah, I, like the podcast stuff like that. I mean, if if another guy's out doing whatever, fishing or whatever with his free time, why you know why do you care if this guy is doing a podcast? And I agree also with you that it, it is good for the Titans. They need to do have more stuff like that. As far as leadership, he's never going to be a great leader for this team because I think his personality does rub some people the wrong way. That's um, just how it is. I think, I think some people really enjoy it and some don't. And at times, you know, obviously he loses control of his emotion. He can be immature, things like that. He's going to say wacky stuff for us. He's, he's the leader for the media. Like he's the first guy you go find because not just because he'll say, you know, off-the-wall quotes. But he, he will be honest, and he'll honestly assess himself and the team. And, and so that's appreciated, and that's not all that common. So I don't know if, you know, obviously I, I, I know some people have said some stuff about him, and, um, and it's uh, you know, I, I, I would agree with anyone who says he's not, a, he's not the leader or a great leader. Um, the thing he has to do is he has to play like one of the best left tackles in the game, and I still think he is that.
0: Rex, last night Vanderbilt got their first win since New Year's Eve 2018. As the Jerry Stackhouse era got off to a good start, 18 point win against Southeast Missouri State. Well Yeah, I know you were there. What did, what did you notice about Stackhouse? Maybe from a coaching style perspective. Certainly, you know Scottie Pippen Jr. is there. Uh, Naismith had a good game. What, what did you observe last night in the opener?
1: I got like seventeen hundred words coming up on this on TheAthletic.com. dot com should be uh, <laughs> dropping any minute so <laughs> uh, I've got a lot of thoughts but you know I think you know Stackhouse is obviously I watched him a lot and you know he's very very reserved you know very uh, you know not a lot of words during the game even you know not a lot of reactions um, he did get ticked at one call uh, which was a really bad call by Doug Shouse who. Uh, uh, for every flop um, anyone ever does in college basketball. But anyway, um, you know, he, uh, it, it was, I'm trying, you know, of course, you're always going to compare, you know, the new coach with the last coach. Bryce Drew, you know, eventually it was just like, please stop clapping, you know, like this is bad, yell at somebody, things like that. You know, Stackhouse isn't going to be one of those guys either. He's not going to be anything like Kevin Stallings, for example, for Vanderbilt fans who, of course, would make that comparison. Um, As far as what they were doing, I liked what they were doing offensively. I thought they ran a lot of good stuff. Defensively, you know, it's going to be a packed-in man defense. Um, And there were some issues last night with some communication and just some really some guards getting blown by. I think it's really interesting that he's going with Saban Lee as the sixth man. Um, Saban Lee is, you know, one of the two – most talented players in the team, along with Aaron Neesmith. Those guys had 46 points last night, 25 for Neesmith, 21 for Lee off the bench. But I, I kind of like the idea of letting him watch the game a little bit, and, of course, they're going to have him off the ball more. He's a really intriguing player. He's as explosive as, as, a, as any guard in college basketball. He really is. He, he of course, is not a great shooter. Not a creator for others, and I think Pippen Jr. is going to be a nice addition. He's not—he's not going to blow anybody away with his talent, but he sees the floor well, he moves the ball around. You know, look, this team is—if this team sniffs 500, it's a good debut season for Stackhouse. You got to be realistic about it, but I do think they're going to be fun to watch. And Clevon Brown, by the way, senior big man, really has worked on his body and his game. He's—he's he's going to have a really good year.
3: Now, uh, Rex, I think it's going to be very interesting to watch sort of the dynamic uh, with the with the basketball and the football from this standpoint, um, because uh, Malcolm Turner chose to make the change very early, um, going from Bryce Drew to Stackho- Stackhouse. And I, why you why he made that change? I'm pretty sure he has his reasons. Maybe it was philosophy. Uh, maybe he just wanted to see that that team going in a different direction because Bryce had been there a few years so he makes the change at the head coaching um, basketball head coaching um, position um, now you have Derek Mason who just got an extension uh, which I don't think it's worth it's not even worth the paper they they printed his name on I don't think um, because things change um, do you think looking at what Stackhouse potentially can do this season will it be a direct uh, will it make if if Stackhouse does well? Do you think it then changes Malcolm Turner's mind about how he proceed with the with the head coach of the football team? Because if he he hires Stackhouse, if Stackhouse does great, now he might say, you know what, I can do this. I can hire a football coach and get the same results that I got uh, from Jerry Stackhouse.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting point, Derek. Actually, you know, as immediate before the game yesterday, we we're talking about, you know, the chances of Derek Mason keeping his job, and someone brought that point up, you know, that if if the Stackhouse first season goes really well, does Turner, is he I guess, more emboldened to mm-hmm. make a change there? I, I don't know that I necessarily buy that there's a big correlation there. And, you know, look, when you fire a coach, as you know, in college sports, there is a buyout involved, there's mm-hmm. money involved, you got to pay. And so that's going to be a factor here, too, with Derek Mason. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. I don't know if there's any correlation there. I do I do think that, you know, Malcolm Turner, obviously it's more of a comfort zone for him in basketball. He was in the G League. He knew Stackhouse well. You know, I, I think it's just natural that if you're, you know, around a sport all the time, as he was in the G League, Probably more comfortable, you know, assessing it. And some of the aspects of this job as AD are completely brand new to him. That's a long way of saying I still have my doubts that he's going to fire Derek Mason after this season. Now, I also think it's an open book right now, and we have to see how Vanderbilt finishes. But I think anyone who would think that it's a done deal right now, I think that'd be a mistake to assume. And you know, of course, I've talked to him about it some and he's not saying much, but I just you know it's it's a big big move, and I think he correctly assesses the situation as you know the football coach at Vanderbilt, whoever it is, needs a lot more support than football gets right now. Uh, you know now, I know Vanderbilt fans probably won't be excited if they have a three and nine coach who comes back next season, uh, but I still think that's possible.
2: Um, Tennessee at Kentucky, a huge game for both coaching staffs this weekend. Um, all, you know, all the quarterbacks have been cleared for Tennessee, but we still don't know what that means. Kentucky could have a wide receiver playing quarterback, which of course creates uh, PTSD for Tennessee fans. What, what, um, you know, what do you make of this game? Vegas line has shifted big time towards Tennessee from Kentucky to start. It's just a really bizarre situation.
1: Yeah, and a huge game. I mean, this could be like the game for the Gator Bowl or something, you know, which is crazy to think. But, I mean, we don't even know if Tennessee's going to be in a bowl game, but, like, they could be in a Florida, you know, New Year's Day or New Year's Dayish ish game. Uh, and, obviously, this was – Braden. this was a huge win for, for Jeremy Pruitt last year. You know, you think back to Mississippi State. When he takes on one-dimensional offenses, you know, the ball seemed to do well, that aggressive defense. Seems to um, get the job done. So, yeah, it's a big game, and I really, I really like Tennessee's chances in this game. Got to be a little bit more consistent with the run game. Kentucky, you know, plays well at home. Good, good defensive team, and then the quarterback situation. I mean, you know, I guess you could also go Jawan Jennings, Wildcat all night, but um, I think we'll see Brian Mauer, and you know, I think he's he's a guy who should start if healthy. I also think that, you know, if he makes a freshman mistake or two, it won't be long before we see Jarrett Garantano. And I really like how he's responded to the benching and and all the stuff that's happened to him this year. I think he's in a better place. So uh, with one of those two guys, I, I think Tennessee wins this game. Rex,
0: let me stay with Tennessee, but go back to hoops for just a second. Obviously, they got their season underway two nights ago and got a win. Guys like Bowden and Turner and Pons and Fulkerson, they're all back, but the upper echelon players, the Williams, the Schofields, you know, those type of players are all gone. What are your expectations for Rick Barnes this year? It feels like they're a fringe top 25 team, Kentucky and Florida getting all the love in the conference. Uh, what do you think their ceiling is this year?
1: Ceiling is probably sweet 16, and, you know, I think I think if they firmly get in the NCAA tournament and they don't have to sweat it out on selection Sunday, I think, I think Rick Barnes has done pretty well with this team. Um, you know, uh, the seven-footer from Arizona State, whose name I'm not even going to mess with, I've really botched it several times already, I, I really thought that waiver was going to come through. It didn't. And that hurts. I mean, that front court is completely rebuilt. I mean, I love John Fokerson, you know, and he's going to run around and, and he's going to work his butt off. But they, they really are so different because they were so front court dominated before. But I think Josiah James, you know, he had a so-so debut. I think he's really going to be a nice point guard, get the ball to Turner and Bowden. And you mentioned Ponds. That's a guy, I just, kind of like Sabin Lee, like one of the best athletes in college basketball. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the skill can he be a better basketball player? Really nice, fifteen point seven rebound debut. You know that's a guy who I think can really make up some of that lost ground. Rick Barnes, we know he's a good coach. I think the Vols get in the tournament, and if they can scratch to the second weekend, that's that's a heck of a kind of a bridge year for for Rick Barnes.
0: Rex, always a pleasure. Good stuff. We appreciate you stopping by. And when uh, Danny Dimes goes to Canton, you're more than welcome to come along with me for the enshrinement ceremony. <laughs>
1: All right, man. All right. Put it down. You just put it on tape. All you right. got it. Thanks.
0: You yeah, got it. Joe Rexro joining us from The Athletic.
2: Yeah, we are anti-anointing here on the show. Mm-hmm. Just on Twitter.
0: Exactly. Yeah. But don't forget, I did say, Danny Dimes will be a better quarterback than Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. Well,
3: I hadn't started out that way. Still plenty of time. It's yeah, very yeah. early.
2: It's ve- not, not all the precincts have reported. Yeah. Correct.
3: So. I read a um, text, um, well a post saying when they had Bill Polian saying that Lamar Jackson should have switched when he when he was coming out, maybe he should think about switching to wide receiver.
0: You think that's fuel for Lamar Jackson? Oh, of course. I well, he it
2: said is. it after the first game. Mm-hmm. I said,
3: yeah. After they torched the Absolutely. Dolphins, he was like, pretty good for a receiver. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you
0: go. All right, we will stay with the Athletic at the bottom of the hour. We'll get a Chiefs perspective on Sunday's game against the Titans. But when we come back, speaking of the Chiefs, Andy Reid had one of the greatest jokes I've ever heard yesterday. (laughs) Back
3: after this on Morning Drive. This is not a joke, people. Service announcement. What do they call it? Uh, Public service announcement. Public service announcement to all men. PSA to all men out there. I know you're listening and you're driving slow because it's raining outside. This is what I'm going to tell you. And I've been telling you for the longest about my good friends over at Cool Springs M.D., More men have started to seek help for hormone deficiencies and and imbalances, Dr. Jeffrey Lodge and his wife, Daphne, along with that experienced staff, give men the treatment required to improve their quality of life. And, yes, man, we need a better quality of life. Coos Ray's MD services have already helped many men of the Brentwood, Nashville, Franklin, which I'm in, and the surrounding areas in Tennessee with improving their immune system. Because, man, when we get sick, we act like big babies. So let's not get sick. Energy levels, cognitive functions, and more. I was, you know, I, I tell my story all the time. I was tired and I thought it was because I was working out too much, getting there early in the morning and then going to work out and yoga and all this other stuff. So I just, uh, you know, I had to go see somebody because that's not me. After leaving that bit, after leaving Cool Springs MD, man, oh, man, I felt like a 25 year old again. I look 25, but I felt it. And that's even better so check it out. They help you with your immune system, energy level, cognitive, cognitive functions, and more. They are there to connect you with the medical care you require to have a healthy and enriched life. And yes, we need to have a healthier life because when we are healthy, men, everyone else around us is happier. And there's no better time to achieve a healthier lifestyle. What are you waiting knowing men? Give Cool Springs MD a call today. Make an appointment. Pull out your pencils, your paper, your smartphone. Write this down, you know, save the number, man, because you're going to need it. The older you get, the more you're going to need this number. Here it is, 615-486-3458, 615-486-3458. Don't be ashamed, man, because I wasn't ashamed. Things happen. We get older. But you know who can help you? Cool Springs MD. So go visit them, make an appointment. Here's the website, CoolSpringsMD.com.
0: Little Young Fables here on a Thursday. This one goes out to uh, super fan Derek Mason.
2: Got some pipes.
3: Mm.
0: Looks like purple rain outside today. This weather stinks.
3: Just chubby rain outside. Hey, keep my physical stature off the air. <laughs> Yeah, I never seen that movie. No, With, uh, why, Eddie Murphy. Why are you talking about your coast? Like Eddie, Eddie Murphy, and he said, and they, it's like a, it's. I forgot the name of the movie, but they they're trying to get him. Eddie Murphy plays two parts in the movie. Um, he plays this actor. Then he plays this the other guy. Finger? Yeah, Bullfinger. Yeah. yeah, and he said at the end they want to get him. They want him to say "Chubby Ray" <laughs> without him. You know. It, it's just, and he says at the end, chubby rain. Jesus. That's like chubby rain outside. Yeah. I used to be
0: chubby. I had a couple a couple of years stretch where I was up to like 215. It was raining outside every day? Yeah, it felt like it was raining. <laughs> it was raining fast food in my life. I was 5'9", 215, I was like a little stump. I don't oh eat any fast food man. at all.
2: What's my excuse right now? I
0: don't know. Bourbon?
2: Yeah. Hey, maybe. Candy? candy. Yeah. I'm, I'm eating all my stupid kids' candy right now from Halloween. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> get that thing out. I'm doing it for them. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't want them to eat it. Right. And I, and right. I need to get it out of the yeah, house. You take the so I just, for them. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to eat all the candy for them just good job to, for, to protect them because I think it's what a good parent would do.
0: There you go. Yeah. There you go. So Nate Taylor covers the Chiefs for the Athletic. He'll join us at the bottom of the hour. We'll get the Kansas City perspective of Sunday's matchup against the Titans. But former Eagles head coach and current Kansas City Chief head coach Andy Reid has always been a funny guy. He, he's got a sense of humor, and he said yesterday, I wish we had the audio, but we don't. I'll give you the direct quote. Andy Reid says, The Tennessee Titans are a well-coached team. <laughs> I mean, even Floyd Reese finds that comical. Now, I get it. you got to say all the right things. But I want to ask a real question here. d mm-hmm. what truly makes a good coach in the NFL? Is it X's and O's? Is it Ego's? Is it managing those egos? Is it the psychology of getting players up in certain spots? Like what separates? I don't even want to say Belichick Uh because he's just a go. Like what separates Andy Reid as a head coach from somebody else from from Mike Vrabel?
3: I think it's all all of all of the above that you just mentioned. Um, You don't. But the good thing about Andy is that he's an exceptional play caller. He's probably the one of the best. Um, if not the best that is coaching now, as far as designing plays and 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 finding the 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 weak link and and putting guys in in a position to succeed, I've always said that's that's an offensive coordinator's job. Put guys in a position to succeed, and Andy has been able to do that better than just about anybody. Um, but not only that, I think a good coach has to be able to manage a bunch of egos and putting his ego aside. Um, and, you know, I think that's what the great coaches are able to do. Bill Belichick, uh, Nick Saban, um, Popovich, uh, um, you know, guys like that that have been doing it for a long time, they're able to put their ego aside and they're able to manage the other egos in the room. Now, it may be a little bit easier to do it at the college level, But when you get to the pros and everybody's, you know, making a lot of money, it's kind of hard to kind of taper those egos and the great coaches find a way. They find a way to motivate guys. Uh, They get they find a way to get that extra even out of the great ones, whether it's, you know, with with word or challenge, um, challenging that 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 great player to do even more or to be more of a leader. They do it in subtle ways. The great coaches do it in subtle ways. They don't say a lot, but they know when to push buttons and they know when not to. They know when to say something and they know when not to. They are just great CEOs of the team and they don't try to, you know, even though I think Bill does, they they don't try to micromanage. They trust the people. (laughs) They trust the people. That they hire, I think Andy trusts everybody that he that he hires. I think Bill to a to a to a degree trusts the people that he hires now better than probably he did ten years ago. I,
2: I imagine it's really so. hard for these egomaniacal, you know, type A paranoid schizophrenic people that, that you sort of have to be to be a head coach in the NFL or college football. It's got to be impossible to be a let your people do their jobs and also attention to detail like that, that's got to be a really d- tough balance for because you only get a head coaching job because you've probably gr- grinded your way through you know years of making no money as a graduate assistant and then you become a coordinator then you become a position coach or whatever and, and you have you know by the time you get a head coaching job the level of detail you have to live by every single practice every single day is so extraordinary that I imagine trying then to let it go, the way Dabo Sweeney does, for example, at Clemson, a little bit more than maybe Nick Saban does at at Alabama or Bill Belichick, that's got to be ridiculously difficult. And Andy Reid is just one of those guys who has an edge as an X's and O's guy. Mm -hmm. But, you know, talking to Mike Fisher last night on Smashville Live, one of the things he talked about with Peter Laviolette is he's a great storyteller. And when when you can sort of create this motivational moment through telling a story... And 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 what Mike Fisher said, he responded to, and the type of leader he wanted to be, which is all about communication and and unity and connectivity and trust. Right, like if I believe in what you're, if I believe that the coach has my best interest at heart, I'm gonna I'm gonna play harder for that guy or that girl. And so I think you know there's there's different styles of leadership, but I think Vrabel probably has a lot of those qualities because of his time at New England and the type of person like. He he's like the typical coach. Like he's he, he's the guy who didn't really get drafted highly, wasn't you know a highly recruited player. You know, yeah, sure he went to Ohio State, but sort of made his way on his own as a player. That strikes me as a good quality to have as a coach, a guy who's just going to outwork the other guy. Like, and,
0: let's remove Andy Reid real quick. Let's just go with three guys that are either in their first or second year. Two different scenarios. One, they all come walking into interview for the job with a GM and an owner. And two, the first day they're in the locker room and how they command, how their presence is. Let's go. Vrabel, Freddie Kitchens, Matt LaFleur. Like when you, when those three guys walk into a room, I just feel like, and I think maybe LaFleur might end up being a better coach. But I think Vrabel commands a room better than Lafleur and kitchens. Yeah,
2: I I would totally agree. I think mm-hmm. Lafleur's advantage is more in the X's and O's side of things. Where where Vrabels had one year as a coordinator, mm-hmm. and they were 32nd in the NFL in defense. So I think he can teach technique extremely well. I think if you you know look at how Harold Landry has developed, right? right he's I mean, very hands on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Harold Landry has developed in a really good in a really big way. The the linebacking core in the front seven is really good, and that's sort of his baby, right? That's his his area of expertise. The way Saban is hands on with the secondary, right, at Alabama um Again, I think it's about you. You got it, Derek. It's about psychology. Now, it's it, just like any great manager of people in any job in any walk mm-hmm. of life. How do you push and pull levers and buttons to get people to to go above and beyond what they're capable of doing in a critical situation? And in sports, it's this physical thing, right? It's this physical, you know, task that you have in front of you. Sure, there's a lot of mental, but you know the, the the sales rep that's getting motivated by the sales manager is not going to go out there and like get his brains beaten in. You know, like the way you do in a football field or a hockey rink. So I, I think it's about the psychology of it all, and how do you get how do you trigger people, and knowing what triggers people in a positive way to make them be better at what they are. And that's man, that's that's why I can't do it. I, I don't know what the hell people. <laughs> I, don't know what
3: the heck I, I think makes the people hardest take. thing in sports, especially. Um, When you're dealing with, you know, those with those sports that have truly a physical nature to it, hockey, um, football, uh, even boxing to an extent. Uh, Boxing is all physical. Um, To be able to um, in that moment to be able to keep your cool as a head coach. Uh, because there's a lot of testosterone being thrown around, a lot of egos, you know. Being able to manage a guy yelling on the sideline because of a call, um, and being able to kind of block it out and 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 talk sensible and calm to 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 a ref or to that player that is going off, um, that takes a lot of skill. Um, because you're 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 sort of the calm in the storm. You have to be the calm in the storm. Now nah, you're gonna see coaches blow up every once in a while. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you've seen Belichick blow up. We've seen. You
2: gotta know when to do know, it.
3: You know, Saban blow up. And, 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 and it happens. Pop, he's blown up. But for the most part, these guys are the calm amongst the storm, and you know, great coaches find a way to kind of. You know, had that balance of you know. I know everybody else around me is yelling and screaming, but I have to be the one that's always focused. Um, and 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 I think great coaches they they realize that and and along with their other great attributes.
0: Speaking of great coaches, some breaking news: according to NJ. dot com, which is in New Jersey, Butch Jones has removed his name from consideration for the Rutgers job. <laughs> So, you know Rutgers stinks when Butch is like, nah, I'm good.
3: Yeah. I he don't better think better Butch was a stand. candidate. He's better off staying in, in Alabama. <laughs> Live that buyout life, baby. Live, Live that, that buyout life. life. I'd
4: rather wash cars than the coach Rutgers. So. Yeah. Butch Jones is in good shape. Brutal. Exactly.
0: Nate Taylor covers the Chiefs. He works for the Athletic. We'll talk to him coming up next here on Morning Drive. It is morning drive ESPN 1025 the game the Titans and the Chiefs coming up Sunday at Nissan Stadium could very well be the last stand for the Tennessee Titans in many regards with playoff dreams this year and it could be coming at the worst possible time if Patrick Mahomes is in fact ready to go so let's get some details let's find out Nate Taylor covers the Chiefs for the athletic and he's with us here on morning drive Nate how you doing this morning.
5: Doing well, doing well. How are you, fellas?
0: We're doing well. So what can you tell us? What are the latest details on Patrick Mahomes and his health?
5: Yeah, so here's the biggest thing that occurred yesterday. uh, Patrick Mahomes was a full participant in practice and that is the first time that that has occurred since he had his dislocated kneecap injury in that Thursday night game against the Denver Broncos back on October 17th. So it's trending more and more like Mahomes will play on Sunday against the Titans. He took the majority of the reps uh, with the first-team offense um, in place of Matt Moore, who's really played admirably since Mahomes' injury occurred. But I think Mahomes was determined, and he's pretty much circled this date on the calendar, to come back with the idea that the Chiefs did win two of the last three games without him, uh, mostly on the field. And so now he feels that it's his responsibility to come back and sort of lead the team Uh, To where they hope to be, which is some, you know, one of the teams that can really make a run deep in the playoffs.
2: Where is this team at defensively? Um, You know, I think everybody points to the Colts matchup and says, hey, here's the blueprint on how you attack Kansas City. Um, Has this defense evolved at all? I know it's totally different personnel wise this year than it was last year. But how has the defense evolved over the course of the year?
5: Yeah, and, and that's a good question because one of the things that statistically that we've been able to see over the last month or so is that the defense is actually starting to understand and execute C Spagnuolo's system. Um, you know, they went from a 3-4 under Bob Sutton to a 4-3 with Spagnola. and there are roughly half of the starters are new um, with Frank Clark, uh, you know, Bashad Breeland is in the backfield. There's, they've got Tyron Matthews who's played excellent this year along with Juan Thorghul who's a rookie for free safety and if you look at the DVOA statistics, this team was pretty atrocious at defending the run, which is what occurred in their loss to the Colts and then was sort of repeated against the Texans. But since that game, these last three to four weeks, the defense has actually gotten better in terms of stopping the run. And all of a sudden, the Chiefs have what appears to be an above-average secondary. Um, Juan Thornhill and Tyron Matthew do not give up deep passes, and the cornerbacks are tough and physically capable of at least – keeping guys below their season averages, which is what occurred last week with uh, Stefan Diggs for the Minnesota Vikings only having one reception for four yards. I mean, it was very impressive given the circumstances that the defense has tried to at least be more competent or at least be on par with the Chiefs' sort of electric offense. If the defense gets more turnovers, that's probably the last step for this team to really be, you know, a top 10 defense in the league. But statistically, they are trending from towards the middle of the pack, getting closer to that 9, 10, 11 range. And so if you're the Tennessee Titans, uh, there's less holes in this Chiefs defense than in weeks two, three, and four.
0: Nate, what's the fan base's reaction right now to Andy Reid? Because I'm from Philadelphia. I lived the Andy Reid era as a fan. (laughs) And then I lived it as a media member for the last three or four years before they went to Chip Kelly. And the whole thing on Andy Reid is, you know, you give him a bye week, he's great. He's going to score points, he's going to win games, he's going to win divisions, he's going to make runs in the playoff, but we know what is eluded, Andy Reid. He's been really good in Kansas City, but are, are, are fans at the point now where they're saying he's got to win a championship, or are they just happy being what they are?
5: It's a little bit of a mix of both, but this this was the year where everyone sort of said, okay, you know, we are truly Super Bowl contenders, you can say it, and it really means something. Uh, and you know, much of this offseason was about Kenny D. Reed get the right people in place, get the right players. Can Brett Veach his general manager find the right pieces to make the defense whole? Right, because we know the offense is historic. And once you know Patrick Mahomes is as good as he has been, and I would even say for Titans fans, like yes, Patrick Mahomes will be limited when he returns, or if he returns Sunday in Nissan Stadium, the idea is that he'll wear a heavy brace on his right knee. He did have a left ankle sprain that he sort of played with throughout the majority of the season before the dislocated kneecap. Um, So he's not going to be that scrambling, you know, mobile guy out of the pocket, but he's still incredibly accurate. Um, So when you have a quarterback that's better than half the league when even he's injured, it gives you confidence that this team, if they could just make the necessary steps, be a team to really go after the New England Patriots. Uh, I think the fans here in Kansas City believe at some point Tom Brady's got to get old, right? At some point, Bill Belichick and his reign in the AFC will have to go by the wayside. And the Chiefs are just one of these teams that really hope that they can fill that void and be the new dominant team in the AFC. A lot of that comes down to having a great coach in Andy Reid and having an even better quarterback than probably anybody else has moving forward uh, with Patrick Mahomes when he's fully healthy.
3: Now you have six guys on this team with twenty or more receptions. That that tells me that the ball is getting spread around, um, you know, to everybody. It's not just one guy you got to key on. Even though I believe Travis Kelsey is probably um, their most consistent weapon, Tyreek Hill is probably their most explosive weapon. Um, are we watching uh, arguably one of the best offenses? or collection of offensive players together um, that we've seen in the last 10, 15 years with this Kansas City Chiefs team?
5: Yeah, there's, there's an argument to be made. And and I wrote a story about this last year when the team was, again, they they averaged 35.3 points a game, which like nobody does in the NFL. And a lot of it is because you have um, sort of a pick your poison aspect with the Chiefs offense and I will say this: People kind of forget that Sammy Watkins is on the team, and that's like somewhat frightening and terrifying because when he's healthy, everybody knows how talented he is, and he's sort of this barometer as to like when Sammy Watkins plays, the Chiefs. You know, sort of equates out that the Chiefs usually win because that frees up space for Travis Kelsey, who I agree is the most consistent guy, the best tight end in the AFC, and Tyreek Hill. There's just nothing to defend it. So if you if the offensive line gives you a quarterback time, whether it's Matt Moore on Sunday or who we assume will be Patrick Mahomes. I I just don't know what the Titans can do outside of double-teaming Tyreek Hill every play, but that obviously gives you a disadvantage against some of the other skill position players. And there's guys like Byron Trinkle, who who you've just started to blossom on the scene that they sort of found as an undrafted free agent a couple years ago. Nicole Hardman is their speedy receiver uh, that's a rookie this season. He scored four touchdowns already uh, in nine games, which is very impressive given Uh, You know, he's just still learning the wide receiver position. And then because of everything that we've seen so far, uh, as long as the team stays healthy, which has been probably their biggest issue all year, uh, the Chiefs are going to score points. It's just a matter of can the opposing team play well in the red zone and can they get a turnover or two that switches the tie back in their favor. I think those are the two things that the Titans defense really needs to focus on is you are going to give up chunk plays. This offense is sort of predicated on that. But can you buckle down in the red zone and can you get a turnover to that sort of swings momentum in your favor?
0: Nate, always a pleasure. We appreciate the time. Thank you so much.
5: Yeah, thank you, Phillips. I got, appreciate
0: it. Nate Taylor covers the Chiefs for the Athletic. He alludes to the red zone. feels like the Chiefs are in the red zone pretty much every drive. I saw this from Field Yates yesterday. He tweeted out the highest percentage of team red zone trips that have resulted in a touchdown this season. The number one team is the Bills at 71.4%. Hmm. number two is the titans at 69.8 percent nice the only problem is the titans probably only been to the red zone what 10 times this year
3: <laughs> great percentage but yeah. we don't get there too often we can look that up it's not a, it hadn't been a whole lot i mean arthur smith know.
0: we don't get to the red zone often but when we do we punch we it in.
3: Touchdowns. and and ultimately <laughs> that's what you want to do but you just want to get in the red zone more often yep. um you know, teams like Kansas City and and, and some other high scoring teams, um, a lot of times they're scoring outside of the red zone. Um, and when they do get in the red zone, um, you know whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, they're getting points. Um, but I think Kansas City does a lot of their damage outside of the red zone. You c- got,
2: doesn't Tyreek kill have the like almost a record for forty yard plus touchdowns? Like, doesn't he have the really? record already? Yeah, yeah. he's up there for sure. Yeah.
3: They have speed just across the board. Yeah. You got the stat?
2: I'm looking it up. All right, we'll get it on the other hey, side. No, 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 I got it right You here.
3: got it? I got it right here.
2: Uh, let's see. Tennessee Titans, 25th in the NFL, 23 trips to the red zone. Wow. 23. Um, however, that's better than the Bills, yeah. who are leading the NFL in percentage. Mm. So... 23 trips is better than the the Jets. Oh, my computer just went all malware on me there, like literally in the middle of looking at this. That's what
0: happens when you see when you bring up the Jets. Yeah. <laughs> and your computer saw a ghost. You
2: mention the Jets, and your computer's like, nope, yep. not doing it. Don't want to talk about that.
0: Braden's MacBook got mono.
2: Do- dolphins. <laughs> oh, wow. Dolphins, Redskins, Jets, and then a the computer crashes.
0: There you go. Stick the sports. That's coming up next, assuming we don't crash. Every time I hear this song, I just think of Rush Hour. I knew it. Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker.
4: Uh, I knew that's exactly what you were going to go I'm a loser, so you know.
2: I think if happiness could be put into musical form, it would sound like this.
4: Yes. It's good
0: stuff. Andrew Marinus, top of the hour. How Gill, 930, right now, STS.
3: The world is a crazy place. Crazy sounding pretty good right now.
2: Let's lighten the mood. Seriousness, you're just gonna crumple it up and throw it in the basically. And stick to sports now, now on Morning Drive.
3: All right, Ocho Cinco, what do you got? Stick to sports is brought to you by Decorated den interior Stick with the pros at Decorated den when you're ready to decorate your home, office, and outdoor spaces. Request a complimentary appointment online at DecoratedDan.com.
4: Number one,
3: I actually did it right this time today. Oh it, it went backwards like it was
4: yesterday, there you go, yeah, there you go, so now, I talked about when my family came into town and my uncle was drinking my jim bean. there you go, sweetheart so basically, <laughs> and now you guys, an I want to ask you guys. I want to guy I want to ask you the rules on the b y o b b y o b basically bring your own beer bring your own alcohol whatever because there bring was your own babe bring your own babe bring yeah bring your own babe because you can't go stealing mine yeah. pg that, that, that's the pg version d mays clean that up know, if you're going to a house
2: party i think the whole point is to go meet them there yeah. Yeah.
4: Uh, do not beer. really i mean you could bring a significant well, other sure, to a house party of course yeah so if you have
2: a significant other i wouldn't recommend going to meet other people <laughs> <laughs> why not that's, uh, that, that's Marquise Munson, everybody.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, sh- show her nice things. But anyway, so, <laughs> so basically, there was a situation over the weekend about a bottle. And it's basically, it's a BYOB party, so this person brought their own bottle of Jack Daniels. And someone else was drinking that bottle of Jack Daniels. So basically... Is that person in the wrong if someone drinks that Jack Daniels, knowing that it's
3: BYOB and that person was drinking the Jack Daniels and you didn't really say that person could drink it? It's a violation by the other person because if you know it's BYOB, if that person Mm. didn't say you can have some of their Jack Daniels or whatever else they chose to bring, then you are not to touch it. It's BYOB. You know you didn't bring that bottle of Jack Daniels. You say, hey, whose, bottles of, whose bottle of Jack Daniels is it? Can I have some? If that person then not say yes, then you can, then you can have some. Yeah. But if that person says no, put my damn bottle down, then you put the bottle down.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's that difficult. Um, yeah. When I first heard about this, in, this uh, the alleged incident, uh-huh. um, I, I did not know that it was BYOB. This person brought the bottle of Jack Daniels and then proceeded to tell people not to drink it. I was like, "Well, how do you bring a bottle of liquor to a party and then not, you know, share? But if it is explicitly written in the invitation that it is BYOB, then you need to bring your own booze.
4: But questionable offense, though, if you want to make it BYOB and then you want to hold that bottle for yourself, you probably shouldn't have it in the common area either. Also a
2: Fair point. Yeah, you got a point there. So, is there a collective area and then like the personal, private areas too? To so keep so the it's booze? a it's
4: a bar area with yeah, ba- different that bottles. Be so different bottles of things. Mm, so you don't know what's yeah. on limits and what's off limits. So That's, it's just like you know, you gotta. Got to specify. Yeah, that's a tough one, right this, there. This, that's, yeah, yeah, I
2: agree. That's a gray area yeah. with the BYOB. Also, if you go to the party and show up intentionally without any booze, are you allowed to then drink booze?
3: I think you got to ask. If you ask, Kinda if somebody some. gives it yeah. to you, it's fine. Yeah,
2: or somebody offer you some. Yeah, sure. Ha, totally, there we go. Totally agree. Yeah. So, yeah. you I, should, show, should probably try to bring something if you're showing up to a party. Just show with an empty bottle. <laughs> what if, <laughs> if you I show up after,
4: it. like, work or I something? about a red
2: solo? Just show up with a cup. <laughs> <In> <laughs> a empty cup. cup. <laughs> <laughs> Fill me up, boys. Spare <laughs> spare
4: Jack Daniels, please. <laughs> can I have um, your Jack Daniels, sir? Please. Or <laughs> Tito's. Th- th- I, th- I think you just got to read Tito's. them. There's yeah. just an I just not i sharing that.
2: It's also an element of reading the room. How well do you know the people? Like, yeah. if you know these people really well, if I'm going to a party where I know somebody really well, I don't worry as much about showing up with something or not showing up with something or do they, like... Trying to provide for my guests. If I know them really well, I don't care
3: as much. Like if my you dad Tito's, man? What's that? You let somebody touch your tito's on a BYOB. <sighs>
2: See, it's kind of it. You kind of need to be the nice guy when you're hosting.
0: Uh, I mean, if I'm bringing the big jug, uh-huh. you can have something. Okay. If it, if it's like a you know a more standard sized bottle, yeah. Me yeah. you your we're hands, gonna we're gonna throw hands off Yeah, my, my, We're gonna, th- we're gonna my throw, throw it down. <laughs> throw
4: down. Could you imagine though, someone at Nick's house get a bottle of Tito's and then goes in his refrigerator and get a bottle of cranberry juice <laughs> he, and pour it himself. He's like, You want one, you good?
3: Or start passing out to everybody else. He throws the Donovan
2: McNag bobblehead right at you. Exactly. Right the room. Look, but, I, I, it also depends on the quality too. If you show up with like a really, really nice bottle of liquor and it's BYOB, then you better keep your hands off my liquor. If I show up with a fairly generic base model of of booze because I've purchased the cheap version for your party, I'm probably okay with people drinking it.
0: Could it be as simple as that person putting it in a public spot? Like, yeah. if you keep it close to you, like on the coffee table, like mm-hmm. while you're, like, then down people know feet, not to touch down by your stuff. On but once you put it in the
4: common area, <laughs> yeah. then it becomes fair game. Oh,
3: bets are off, yeah. <laughs> but
4: if, if someone's walking around with a big bottle of Jack Daniels around a party, that looks kind of weird. Right. I'm I was just like, why is this guy walking around? And then if you have it in between your, your left feet and your right feet in the, mi- <laughs> in the middle the and you're squeezing
3: it together. And- <laughs> Well, at least people know not to touch it, then. Yeah, no
4: question. Look, look you point at your feet. Can yeah. I get some of that? Some There's of that? no gray area yeah. when a guy's got a bottle of liquor Can I get between some his of that? feet. Nah,
3: you can't. That's <laughs> yeah, you idea.
4: can't even ask at that point. If it's at his feet, <laughs> then it's, it's off limits for everybody.
3: Yeah. Or if it's <laughs> undis- <sighs> under his left <sighs> or something. I don't know. I'm so glad not to be single.
4: Oh, man. <laughs> Fellas, another reboot. But this time, a classic sports movie. The Mighty Ducks is getting a reboot on this new Disney Plus app that's that's dropping next week.
0: Is that going to star Ryan Porth? (laughs) (laughs) Him and Chase McCabe as the Bash Brothers?
3: (laughs) That'd be great. It's a great movie. Yeah. But it, so basically yeah, here. The so he, yeah,
4: DMac is Gordon Bombay. <laughs> yeah. But here's the the plot line for it. So the series will focus on a 13-year-old boy who gets kicked off the Mighty Ducks until his mom decides to start their own team, find players, a coach and a place to play. And this will begin production in February in Vancouver. So, so he's so.
2: kicked off the Mighty Ducks? So, yeah, is so it it's not the reboot? Mighty Ducks. That's not yeah, even not a reboot, then. reboot then. That's a spin-off. Exactly. That's 100% a spin-off, definitely not a reboot. That's dumb
4: any original members of the first two or three movies in this uh, it hasn't been confirmed on like a cast just yet, so it's just it's gonna get in production in February, so obviously you know throughout the weeks the cast will you know be announced then but i if I, I'm gonna ask you guys this if you guys were to reboot a sports movie, what sports movie would that be hmm <sighs> I'm not a big fan of the new space. Like, I like Space Jam, but I, I wanted that movie to go untouched. Like, I don't like yeah. LeBron James well, playing in the Space Jam. You movie. can only reboot you know a fictional movie, it. correct? Yes. Yeah. Like, you
0: can't it. reboot a true story. Yeah, and, yeah.
2: He's, and he's doing it because China. Yeah. Well, let's just
4: be honest um, about it. You know what sells reboot. really big in
3: China? Space Jam. Let's reboot. Um, I don't know. Here's one uh, for you guys. I don't want to
4: touch the good, the good ones. Here's right? one for you guys. White Man Can't Jump. Why would you? No, see, it's, it's so it's, great. Yeah. But they were going to reboot it. it it's going to anyway. fail. But it's, yeah, gonna it's fail. not going
2: to be as good as the original. It can't.
0: It can't possibly yeah. be better.
2: Caddyshack. Um, you know, Field of Dreams. Like none of these movies could be better. Now, any given Sunday could be better. I think any given Sunday kind of sucked. I think you could take any given Sunday and make it far better. But that's. Mm. I'm
4: trying to think of a sports movie that was based around college that you can remake. Not like the Rudy's. program. Yeah. The program
2: is awesome. But yeah, Again, but, why would you want to like? Why mess with something that was great?
4: I would just love to see players, just you know, actors enter the transfer portal, blue and, chip, and all, and all this. Blue stuff. chip
2: would be a good one, but that's, but it's sort of, again, it's also almost perfect because it's so silly. Yeah,
4: you could do blue chip with Joel Embiid. Yeah, <laughs>
2: that's
3: true. <laughs> that, that would be a good movie, Joel Embiid. Jo- anything with and a Joel remake Embiid. of blue chip, yeah. Joel Embiid and, and 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 Ben Simmons. Who, who, ah, who ben, plays
2: Nick? Who plays Nick Nolte? Oh man! Like Zach Galifianakis, <laughs> some, no, no. somebody stupid. <laughs>
3: Nick Nolte. Yeah. I mean, Nick it Nick Nolte. It, it's got to be.
2: It's got to be funny though. You kind of like Blue Chips is sort of meant to make fun of it a little bit, right? Yeah. I don't know. I I, I love the program. I don't know about you guys. I've never Omar, seen it. Omar Epps and Halle Berry. Holy smokes!
4: Yeah, yeah. I've never seen it. Do you ever seen the program? Oh my god! I haven't.
2: It is based. I believe it's based off of some of those Florida State teams in the early nineties. It, it is fantastic you've seen it nick right yep. like a thousand times probably fair, fair. oh yeah
4: i'm not gonna lie i want <laughs> to see a, a biopic on the u like miami and those playing days i would love to see a movie on that
5: just,
2: just, Not
4: like the just, for just, just book michael Irvin on the show he'll tell you all about it
2: i would see and i'd rather go to the co- i'd rather go to like the frank martin ed orgeron bar fighting's part of this like where these guys were like frank martin was a bouncer in miami and and Ed Ogeron was like getting in bar fights as one of the coaching staff members, uh, you know, on the coaching staff. I like, got almost like a thirty for thirty on the coaches because they were out getting in bar fights. The coaching, Damn. like Barry Switzer, staff did that too at Oklahoma. They would get in bar fights with each other. Mm. I mean, can you imagine that story coming out today? Brutal. <laughs> Jeremy Pruitt and it took took his staff to. To, to, to a restaurant on the Cumberland. Hey, weekend with River. Mike Price <laughs> coming to a theater near
0: you. <laughs> but where was Pruitt seen last week with uh, Gus's? Yeah, yeah Gus's, is good, is good. That's Gus's a good time. Yeah. yeah,
2: Gus's good time, man. Uh, no doubt about that.
0: All right, coming up next, author Andrew Marinus will join the show as well as Hal Gill at 9.30. Stay there, it's Morning Drive.